Welcome back. This is episode six of Twisted, the true crime podcast story of the alleged Auntie Anne's strangler accused of twisting his victims to death with pretzels. Now, last week on episode five, we spoke with the defendant's lawyer, Richard Featherbottom. We also spoke with the accuser, whose marks on his neck in the shape of a pretzel and his current revulsion to salty, bready mall delights suggest that there was some real damage done against him. But we don't want to jump to conclusions this week on episode six of Twisted. We're speaking with the defendant himself. So I've got the defendant on the line. He's calling in from Montgomery County Jail. Um, And I'm going to let him identify himself. And I just want to give him a a quick open floor to respond to such salted allegations. Uh, Yeah, my name's Timmy the Twister. And uh, I love (laughs) strength. Not really throwing people off the scent with that name, are you? Uh, well, it's the scent is salted, so it's easy to follow. And uh, what can I say? I hate people. I hate Auntie Anne, so I figured I'd put the two together and start strangling people with Auntie Anne's pretzels. So, was that just an admission <laughs> of guilt? I, <laughs> this I was all alleged. I didn't know I, I was in a courtroom here, pal. <laughs> you are on mic. Um, uh, yeah, in jail. Cool. And what's the scene in the jail? I plead the fifth good time to start pleading the fifth. Well, there ain't no pretzels in here, so it's freaking awesome. <laughs> this is not twisted. This <laughs> is barred to death. Welcome back to Bard to Death. Bardites. Um, last week, Colin and I touched on laughter. We kicked off season two by just mm. kind of an open discussion about laughter and everything that we kind of associate with it and think about it. Um, we are splitting this laughter series into two episodes. We're going to pick up here with episode two. Colin, anything we need to know before we jump back into our conversation? No. Incredibly excited to jump back in. I think last week we left off with me wanting to start talking about stand-up comedy. And we figured that was a bit of a conversation. So we were going to throw into this one. Ready when you are. We'll pick it up here. Here we go. All right, let's talk stand-up. I heard something, Ryan, you and I both love stand-up. We talk about stand-up comedy a lot. I heard something recently that I thought was interesting. um, And it was that stand-up is, stand-up comedy is the modern sermon. Interesting. Thoughts? I've heard something similar that stand-up comedians are like the modern philosophers. So mm-hmm. they kind of take the place of like the Aristotle in the town square. People kind of gather. I definitely think there's something behind that. Um, as someone who delivers sermons, are you, <laughs> how do you, how do you <laughs> take worried that? By that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I am a pastor. Um, I do preach. I, I, I agree with that. I think, and, and I've also heard it said about TED Talks, that TED Talks are the modern sermon. Hmm. And I think we're definitely like in a post-religious time, but like, yeah, I mean, I actually named in a in a preaching class in seminary, like they asked who your favorite preacher was. And now this is pre all the stuff that happened, but I said Louis C.K. Interesting. And I kind of send it like offhandedly, you know, like kind of like tongue in cheek, but like yeah. I was kind of serious too, like his, a lot of his stuff like really 
points to a deeper of course like this is all it sounds horrible now but this is all pre yeah um, the mess that he got himself into which is you know sad for a number well if i if i can just defend him really quick no (laughs) (laughs) no no, not defending him at all um just a quick point that i think we need to (laughs) joke 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 terrible unexcusable (laughs) and um yeah, I think that there's definitely, I think, I do think, I was talking with a friend, my friend Laura recently, and we, she loves stand-up comedy, and we were talking about how comedy has, has become more, um, like, truth-telling, and has become mm. more, like, vulnerable, like, um, uh, the new, uh, so, like, you and I love Bo Burnham, and, mm. you know, talk about a comic who took advantage of, like, the YouTube age, as we were talking about, yeah. like, the digital age, like, he started making, like, funny music videos that were, like, you know, he was making, you know, just kind of clever and witty, but the new Aziz and Sari special, um, I have not listened on, yet. on Netflix. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Okay. And I don't, I haven't liked some of his previous stuff. I've always loved Aziz and I've loved them in like parks and rec. And I've loved, he had a show on MTV called human giant, which loved is human giant. Show. Yeah. Loved human giant. Very um, old. Very alternative. Like they had this a great. I uh, just to, you know not to retell, it, but I I love. They had a one sketch that was like, um, it was like a Red Bull commercial, and they're at like a sleepover, like him and two friends, and yeah, uh, they start like drinking Red Bulls, and basically it it's like oh like they're staying up late, and then it be, it like turns into like them doing cocaine, and then it turns into them like trying to kill one another, <laughs> and then it's just like the Red that's, Bull gives you wings as the end, like with one of like it's Aziz has like blood all over his face, and he, it's very so stupid. Aziz, and if I can just defend Aziz real quick, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, no, also, like also a joke. He, <laughs> yeah, he he caught some pretty interesting accusations, but um, yeah, my friend Laura, and this is not coming from me, it's coming from a woman, was like, yeah, his his accusations were like the the um, least offensive, or whatever. it was like he had he had. I don't want to get into any of that. Anyway, like he yeah. did something wrong. He embarrassed. It was himself. wrong. It was uh, wrong. Unequ- it was unequivocally wrong. not admirable. Unequivocally um, wrong. But he starts his show out by talking about it. Oh wow! And addressing it. And it's like incredibly heartfelt. It's incredibly raw, and like essentially like apologizes and has already uh, you know released apologies and stuff. But basically, is like I don't know. It just he starts it from a very raw place, and then he talks about like how uh, terrifying it is for men to be accused of of like he does a whole bit about like you know you know how like we have this great fear people of privilege have this great feel of being called like misogynist or you know homophobic mm. or racist and yeah. he, you know as a person of color he like turns he turns and he's like white people are really trying hard right now and he does this whole bit about like you know crazy rich Asians like people went and drove to see crazy rich Asians and he like points it like a woman's like did you like crazy rich Asians and she's like yeah I liked it and he says it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes do you agree with that and she, you know, and she's like, yeah, I think it's great. And he's like, well, what would you give it? You know, and, and he's she's like, I don't know, eighty five. And he's like, wow, any reason that you'd give it twelve points less? And he's like, and he basically <laughs> is just like exposes her fear of being like called out and um, all that to say, like he gets into like a lot of like the PC stuff and like our political climate and I, he just does it in such a way that's like, um, yeah, you should just go watch it if you haven't seen it. Like, it may not be your cup of tea. Comedy is like I think very subjective, but. Yeah, like he's he's really exposing some like the 
ways that we feel, which is like he makes fun of the hardcore right. He makes fun of the hardcore left. He actually says at one point, y'all are the same person. And oh, he does uh, this like he does this really creative like poll with the audience where, where he messes with the audience and exposes that like both sides are incredibly flawed. And um <laughs> anyway, it was just like incredibly innovative and creative and it, it had to take him forever to write it, to write yeah. something. It's it's it was very clever and I again, this is coming from someone who hasn't liked some of the stuff he's put out, and I found myself kind of uh, weirdly enjoying it. Yeah, you know, I'll have to check it out. Um, but no, like as a as a uh, pastor, like yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, I I think um, like people are going to other forms for for truth, and I think that's okay. Like that doesn't, I don't feel threatened by that. Like, yeah, it's fine. I, I can only speak about my my uh, personal experience. Netflix has so broken the the stand-up game. Like it oh, used yes. to be one comedian, you know, getting a, an hour was a huge deal. And Yeah, you got you filmed like an, a half hour HBO special first. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Comedy Central gave you like a 15-minute spot first. Yeah, and you you paid for it. They paid you back for it if it gets picked up. You were like anointed if you got a special and now Netflix gives, you know, any comedian uh, of note of, you know, here's 45 minutes and a million bucks go, you know, we'll pop it on, mm-hmm. on Netflix and a million people will watch it tomorrow. Um, the saturation, I actually consume far less stand up today than I did five years ago, mm-hmm. but I think my modern kind of comedic sermon, if you will, what's taken its place is the podcast. Um, <laughs> this whole thing's oddly, no, no, not our podcast necessarily. I mean, just the medium of the podcast. I listen to podcasts mm-hmm. all day long on the way to work, at work, on the way back. Um, and it to me, it's it's taken the place of almost like a fireplace in the room. I just like having it on. Um, and and mm. uh, in a strange way, it kind of functions like stand-up used to, like sermons can. It's kind of this hybrid medium. I'm not saying ours. I'm saying podcasts in yeah, general. So much better that's, ones, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know ours can if the we listeners are smart think, enough. <laughs> we want you to think of Bard to Death as a fireplace. <laughs> I, uh, put yeah. your trash in here, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, and I want to talk about like Tignataro. I really like Ellen DeGeneres, Nate Bargatze. I love. I just want to like list comics. I love. I love Nate Bargatze. He's like super underrated, like Southern guy from Georgia. He's, he's hysterical. Sarah Silverman, Mike Birbiglia is up there for me. He might be Ali like, Wong. yeah, Ali Wong and Mike Birbiglia is probably, my wife loves Ali Wong. Um, oh, that first special she has on Netflix was great. The Birbiglia is probably one of my favorites because he's just a storyteller at his core. And, um, Bo Burnham's great too. I think Bo Burnham's like a, a genius deconstructionist. Like he's not going to yeah. really build anything, but he's great at pointing out problems. Um, whereas I think Birbiglia is like much more of a solutionist, but his storytelling is amazing. It's like, I remember listening to, well, you had a, there was a movie that you made me watch with um, Sleepwalk with me. Yeah. Birbig's first film. Yeah, he so he wrote and directed a movie that's about him getting into stand up and it's yeah. amazing. And this disorder that he had where he would actually like harm himself while he was sleeping because he would actually like walk and like eventually like it was a true story, he jumped out of a second story hotel window. Yeah. Um, because he thought he was like in in war and battle or something. And um it also like, you know, his journey like chronicles his relationship with this girlfriend and like i guess then fiance and then like he's also getting really into stand-up so he starts drifting away from her and all that to say like it's such a beautiful movie 
you know, and he talks to the camera like Zach Morris, which I love. And yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, for me, like my favorite comics are the ones that are incredibly vulnerable, right? There's like this vulnerability to it. It's just you and a microphone. Tell me about your life. And right. I, and I feel like the history of comedy, it was very different in, in the fifties. And you would have like this, like even in the, like Seinfeld, like, you know, you'd have this very lightweight comedy. That's like mass appeal. Let's talk airports. about, let's talk about airports. Let's talk about, yeah. The inefficiency of hand dryers, like whatever it might be. And I guess like that was, that's, that is still like a popular form of comedy, but I think people are tired of that and they want like someone who's going to be raw and like tell their story. And, um, like Ellen DeGeneres on her most recent special did an amazing bit about how she's still really approachable and like fame hasn't changed her at all. And like, she does this whole bit about like her friend, like her friend came over for lunch and like the, the butler, like, you know, yeah, brought yeah. It, you know, just like, she yeah. just basically talks about like how rich she is and it's, it's hilarious. And, um, I don't know. I, I've just, for me, like, I love standups who are, you know, comics who are, vulnerable and like raw yeah i agree entirely which is upsetting because the few times that i did stand up i was not those <laughs> things like i, I went know, more right? for the one-liner bit and it was fine but i look back on it I'm like i didn't even do the type of stand-up that i like to see i mm-hmm. i did some i don't like, know like safe safe stuff yeah like you know two-liner little punch like witty i guess but like more like water cooler jokes like not, yeah yeah Nothing I was proud of. Um, how about you when you did stand up? <laughs> do you I, actually? Yeah, I want to talk about our ex- personal experiences with stand up comedy. But do you, do you remember any jokes? Can you give us any? I do remember a few, and I've recorded them, so I could I could listen to them. They're somewhere, uh, like on my Google Drive. But yeah, yeah. Like I remember, even just like the setup or the frame. It doesn't have to be word for word. Yeah. So this was a few years back, and. Uh, the Oscars had happened like the day before or something mm-hmm. and bet the best foreign language film went to a Polish film mm-hmm. and I said it was great. Um, and I think I said, uh, so the Oscars happened last night and I saw the best foreign language film um, went to Poland. That's great. That's great. And uh, Germany and Russia have already split it down the middle. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah, that's like pretty that. good you know yeah, like, yeah, some, yeah. like little history grad school type jokes but <laughs> it's i fine. like it yeah heady it's good so the first time i ever did stand up yeah what else give me give me more it was either the first or second time in austin um mm-hmm. trey bush andrew our mm-hmm. we've mentioned andrew on season one a lot his childhood best friend yeah. who i knew in austin trey came with me and my buddy Josh and um, that was interesting because it was like uh, friends of our friends became friends, right? Like, yeah, became worlds friends. collide. Yeah, exactly. it, was, it still freaks me out. Like, because I didn't, I don't know Trey that well at all, but I know Andrew that knows him really well, and and yeah. probably vice versa for Trey. So yeah, so Trey came, and I remember like I did okay, but a lot of these jokes were not necessarily like not everyone's gonna laugh at the the Germany. Russia Poland one because it, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know it's a little niche it's I got this history element to it and so I did okay got some laughs but but not like other comedians did better yeah. and I remember I went to get like sushi afterwards and Trey goes yeah maybe you're just like social funny <laughs> <laughs> he just shuts you down immediately I was like well. <laughs> 
Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love it. Maybe you're just contextually funny. Oh yeah. man. What's what was the experience of of uh well, here, let me, let me share some of my old jokes because I actually found an old document from 2009 um, that had a couple notes on it that were just, cool. half of them are just uh, brutal um, and just not funny at all. But there was, there was a couple that I thought were interesting. I had one, I, I think I called it Twitter War with your ex-girlfriend. Okay. So the bit was like, uh, you, you're competing, like you're, you know, you just break up and you're like, oh, like things are great, you know, can't wait to, you know can't wait to live life to the fullest or whatever, you know, you put that and then she puts up something like, you know, things are going incredibly well, like hanging out with the, you know, the ladies tonight. And then you see that. So you're like, you just are trying to one up each other with like how well you're doing. Um, and then it, it just like, you know, camera zooms out and you're at a bowling alley, you know, alone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like I don't know, that, that completely undeveloped bit, but I always thought that was, that, that had potential. Um, yeah. the FB stalking, this one actually did get a, a few laughs. Um, you know, when you're like, <laughs> you wrote hey. that down, <laughs> this one got a few laughs. This one was good. This one was actually great. It performed very well. Um, yeah. Like you stalk, uh, your crush on Facebook and you know, you're, you're like not even friends, but because you can see everything on Facebook and you're like, Oh, how was your road trip? You know, over spring break, whatever. And she's like, Oh, it's great. You know, you're like talking in class or whatever. And she's like, Oh, I saw oh, you took, yeah, yeah. I saw you took I 45. And she's like, well, how did you know that? And you're like, Oh, it was simple. It's like photo 33. There was like a map in the background. I just cropped it out, blew it up, you know, yeah. highlighted your route. And I remember that. And then I did That's the same funny. Yeah. I took the same route last night. I retraced everything, you know, like it's super creepy and weird, but um, yo, I had a one liner very similar. It was like, guys, don't you hate it when you're looking at your crush and your binoculars fog up? That's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. So bad. Uh, uh, but just so like, it did not age well. I love it. No, it did not. This was many years ago. I'd like to say I do not endorse. Um, <laughs> I had a, stu- this is such a stupid bit. That was like a one liner. Why take five hour energy when cocaine gives you 27 hours of energy? <laughs> that, was, that was, yeah, I never just did really, cocaine, really like so stupid. stuff at, at 22 you're like oh this is funny and it made the girl in chemistry class laugh and it's like, exactly not funny at all and she was uncomfortable and you just didn't rec- realize it <laughs> i had this bit about and i told like i think the things that worked the best was just storytelling for me and like yeah. telling stories about my family or pranks that my brothers and i have done each I, I told a story about our shower curtain freshman year of college how i moved in you know it's, <laughs> it's houston it's incredibly like hot and humid and moved in and, and got our shower curtain hung up and I'm like pouring sweat. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I get in the shower and my roommate had put the shower curtain up before I'd gotten there. And I like meet my roommate. We've never met, get in the shower, flip on the light, which in this bathroom, the light and the fan were connected. Like you couldn't have the light in the bathroom on without the fan being on. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess like the breeze of the fan pushed <laughs> this shower curtain up against my naked body. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, it's like, that's the most uncomfortable feeling is when like a shower, when you're, when you're trying to shower and this, this like plastic curtain is just rubbing up on you and you're like trying to get clean and you're scrubbing. And then like this gets on, you feel like you have to like clean the whole side of your body. And I, and I let out like an audible, like, oh, like something like that. And my brand new roommate just yells in, oh, is that shower curtain sticking to you too? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it was like, so intimate. we We had rubbed our naked bodies together. It was like the, basically what it felt like um i just thought that was like <laughs> one of the dumbest things but we're yeah, gonna just take that line that line's gonna be taken out of context and like <laughs> just gonna be the the trailer for the episode <laughs> so, <laughs> so it felt like we're rubbing our naked bodies <laughs> so i had done 
Right. I had done probably like six or seven things around campus and did open a sh- mics. Open, yeah, open mics and like talent shows. And like there were two at my college that actually went really well. And like the response like was relatively good they, well or really like re- well? Re- relatively well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and like they asked me to come back for something else. And so I did. And then that one went great. So then I went out of like my college bubble for the first time into a place called Bohemios, which was a show you were at. You and your brother. I remember this, yeah. And this is like, I bombed horribly. And it was like a coffee shop with 18 people. Do you remember this? Oh, I remember. <laughs> My brother, was, yeah. We both came. Yeah, and I like opened for a band that was friends of mine called Womack the Womack Brothers. Bros. Yeah, and I like would do, you'd start with comedy and then we would play music and I would play, I would like hop on the drum set and play with them and they would do music. Yeah. So it was kind of like a comedy music show. But um, that show went horribly bad and do you remember anything from that show about me bombing at stand-up i don't remember a single joke you told um i do remember the noise of the espresso machine (laughs) kind of competing with you for (laughs) for volume an an airplane taking off yeah an espresso machine is an incredibly loud and intrusive thing oh just mid joke just mid punchline just like which already wasn't good like (laughs) it was it was funny in retrospect if only for that reason (laughs) and i had a bit about like the snobbery of baristas like i love baristas because i never feel judged about my coffee order so like i had these like i was trying to sprinkle because it was a coffee they had coffee there without realizing that i was insulting the entire bohemia staff at the same time (laughs) so it's like of the 18 people in the room three were working as as coffee makers and just hated my guts yeah um that was um yeah and i and then i resort i just ended up i remember resorting to some puns with them like i just roasted y'all or like <laughs> what, what can i say comedy's a grind it's shut like, up just horrible <laughs> it was so bad it was so embarrassing stop sweating <laughs> i didn't prepare nearly enough i remember calling my dad after it being like that's the most i just went through the most humiliating thing i've ever gone through i remember thinking it'd be a lot easier to just like riff and it's not it's you can't like Unless you've done it a hundred, five hundred times, whatever. Unless being on stage is as comfortable as sitting in your living room, sh- you know, shooting the stuff with your buddies, yeah, then yeah. you you cannot riff up there. It's paralyzing. It is paralyzing, and this is why comics like don't like a lot of them veer away from crowd work because it's just unpredictable, and yeah. you have to have like every bit, every move, like completely. Done. And it's not just like I think that was like the lesson I learned about stand up comedy on on that night was. It's actually has very little to do with performance and it has a lot more to do with writing. Exactly. It's, and, and people, I don't know if it's ever harder to get laughs than at stand up because people are there to laugh, yes, but they're also like in a complete state of neutrality, a la like, impress me, clown. Like, there's this (laughs) implicit thing, like, they expect you to be funny. This mm-hmm. isn't like you at work where no one expects something and then you say something funny and, oh, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's funny. I wasn't expecting that. Comedy is a misdirection. But at stand-up, they're expecting, mm-hmm. the misdirection becomes even harder. Um, mm-hmm. In a sense, it's like easier to get someone to laugh like, you know, after a funeral. Uh, but I always, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have mad respect for anyone who can do stand-up. I know, and do it well. Yeah, mad yeah. respect. Um, I did improv that wow. I, I thought was easier to get laughs at and just easier because you're not alone and you can build off other people. Mm-hmm. So if like that's your style, 
Um, I have a story from improv that I want to tell, but yeah, do I'll it. Save it. Well, I'll save it for, it's actually in response to the hardest time I've had. Oh, left. okay. Yeah. Let's throw, um, you want to throw that question out? Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of the last thing I had wanted to talk about was the hardest time you've ever laughed. Um, I, I have mm-hmm. a few that come to mind and it sucks cause like I'm probably missing some, but sure. To the extent that I can remember, um, do you, do you want to go first or should I? No, you go ahead. Well, okay. I mean, I actually think the hardest time I've ever laughed legitimately is a story that it's when you, Andrew and I, when we all lived together, uh-huh. there was one night where we were just riffing and we were just doing, <laughs> we were just doing round table and <laughs> round we robin? can't, we can't tell that story, but oh, I think, no, I remember this. Yeah. I think that was the hardest I've ever laughed. It was like one of our last nights in the apartment together and it was, and we just started telling really vulnerable raw stories, like most embarrassing things. And like some of the stories that came out of that were shockingly embarrassing. It's like take to your grave type stories. <laughs> and we all agreed. We had a pact. Like this all goes to the grave. And <laughs> then like was... every now and again in conversations, one of us will like flirt with the idea. Like of reference releasing. something. Yeah. We might like slightly reference it that nobody would understand. And then you'd look at the other person and be like, I could do it. <laughs> like my fingers on the trigger kind of thing. Like I could do this. I can end your whole, I can end everything Just right you, now for you. Your whole life. It's, <laughs> it's the nuclear option. I could end your but... career right now and I and take me down with you. <laughs> seven, seven years later, the, the secrets been kept but i feel like that was the night when we all decided we could never run for office for anything (laughs) yeah yeah it's dude that was such a funny night so fun uh this one time i was i almost want to like this answer is more like from what i can remember this time i just remember I, i i hope it translates but i was in an improv group in austin for a bit and it wasn't even during a performance when I laughed this hard, but we had a practice space and anyone who's like, you know, improv spaces are usually this like motley assortment of furniture and stuff. Hmm. And so there are like a bunch of different chairs and we would, uh, you know, practice in pairs and then come back together uh, in a big circle. And there's like 12 of us in the improv group. Mm-hmm. And we all grabbed a chair and came and convened into the circle and this guy will who i low-key thought was the funniest person in the group but i don't i don't know if everyone else did or even he thought so uh he grabs a chair and sits right next to me and it was like i don't know like a half-size chair like it was kind of this oddly small chair (laughs) and he grabs it and he sits down next to me and the second he sits down on it the chair just breaks just crumbles (laughs) just crumbles and he eats total floor and <laughs> just like seriously in all serious seriousness says under his breath i had more faith in the craftsmanship and <laughs> i don't know why but i i just cried for like 10 minutes oh about, that's great i think it was the physical comedy yeah combined yeah. with like i had too much faith in the craftsmanship and he was being dead serious like and maybe it's like Every time we sit on a chair, we have faith in the craftsmanship. Yeah. That's doing anything. It's getting in a car. It's it's sitting mm-hmm. on a chair. It's riding in an airplane. It's uh and just it went wrong and he just <laughs> totally collapsed. And uh I just remember bawling. And and oddly enough, no one else really found it that funny, but for for some reason, I don't know, it was like some of the hardest I've ever laughed. This kid. Yeah. And, and I he probably doesn't even remember it. 
Oh man, that's hilarious. Especially in an improv setting where you're trying to, you know, say yes at all times and like just embrace whatever comes. Yeah. And the um, fact that, that that wasn't a bit. It, it wasn't it, a bit. Makes it funny. Like the organic aspect of it. Um, <laughs> what do you great. got? Oh man, hardest time I laughed. I love this question. This is this is Pete Holmes uses this question on his podcast when he closes things out, and I've I've always loved it. Um, so I wrote down a story. This is up there for me. It's hard to like just pinpoint one time, but yeah, um, you almost can't. The what bar were we at? It was it was a brewery, uh, Ponysaurus, and yeah. in Durham. And it was the week of my wedding and there was a night, like you came into town early and there was a night where you got to like hang out with a bunch of my Durham friends, like before all the wedding stuff started. And it was like me, you, Johnny, Josh. Um, I think Andrew was there at this point or maybe he wasn't. He was not. It was just us four, Johnny, Josh, you, me at this point. That's right. That's right. It was just four of us. And Johnny and Josh were like my closest friends from seminary and they were basically like a a huge part of me going to seminary was just trying to make Johnny and Josh laugh at all possible times. Like I would crack jokes like during exams and like during finals, you know, like just like stupid comments and things and try and try and like get their attention off the lecture and like, which just like an idiot, just, you know, trying to be goofy and make people laugh. And it was like me, you, Johnny, Josh, and I was so excited for you to meet my North Carolina friends. And the whole thing just became us just like, doing bit after bit, like trying to get just people, constant, <laughs> just constant, like going round Robin, just <laughs> at it. And there was this one bit that I brought up about like, it doesn't matter how, uh, like good or, or, you know, well-informed or no, you know, wait, wait, I, th- I hate to interrupt, but go ahead. I want to get this right. And I think it was born from you going on like a serious, like rant about mm-hmm. the show Breaking Bad. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I was talking and about how good met- Breaking Bad was. Yeah, and, and, I, and we were serious at this point. Yeah, it was dead serious. That's right. And I had, th- but I had this like idea, or I, I think I'd expressed it at some point, maybe to Johnny or Josh, of like, if yeah. you screw something up when you're trying to say something, it doesn't matter how important what you're trying to say is. Like your friends will lock in on just the the joke. And so I and exactly. I so I called Breaking Bad Breaking Brad at one point. Yeah. And and <laughs> the you guys like just completely stopped listening to what I was saying and were like, okay, Breaking Brad, and like did this <laughs> just, just did this whole bit about like, oh, who's Brad? Like, is that is that is the show about a guy named Brad and like did he break a bone you just kept going and then like at one point it was like uh you it was I forget if it was you or it was like uh I found the cure for cancer it's like it's like a I think I came up with this one it's like yeah, yeah. a scientist cures cancer yeah and cures he's, cancer he's at like a big conference speaking to thousands of other scientists uh-huh. and he has the and, cure in his hand he's got it's like, like a, a piece of paper it's a piece of paper goes, yeah and so I have cured cancer <laughs> he says cancer and the whole room erupts with ridicule of like cancer <laughs> and then like all of a sudden it like just, things it, are on yeah. fire yeah breaks into pandemonium someone grabs the cure lights it on fire no one cares <laughs> about the cure anymore they just want to make fun of the cancer guy he, he like didn't back it up on the drive yeah and just like yeah you're like someone someone grabs it and jumps out of the window and like, they're, yeah, like, they're just like, and, you, and you yelled out i didn't back up to the cloud yeah, 
There's just like a guy in a wheelchair doing like a BMX stunt, yeah. just like mass chaos. Yeah, just, all because he misspoke, and he's like, "What is happening? What is happening? I actually found the cure. No one cares." There, yeah, yeah. That, I don't know. For a, me, like that, and then I remember at one point we were laughing so hard at that bit. And I it remember, was so funny. It was yeah, it was just madness on the on that rooftop. And I remember at one point you went to get. Uh, they have, they oh my have like gosh. snacks there. You yeah. can get like Swedish fish for a dollar. So you like went to get like trail mix or something or another beer. And while you're gone, you left your wallet on the table. And while you're yeah. gone, I just like went over to, the, <laughs> I you took idiot. your wallet and went over to the table next to us and just hit it underneath one of the table <laughs> legs. And it was basically the bit from like Dumb and Dumber, like, how's your burger? Yeah, and, it was you know, that. It was that bit, which is like not even, and you're like, where's my wallet? Seriously. And we're like, oh, I don't know. Why don't you check all the table legs? And you like immediately found it. And it was like, we, but we just, at that point, we just thought it was the funniest thing that we had just like in plain sight. It just was not that funny, but just everyone was losing it. Oh, so funny. I, I, I remember I cried. Yeah, I cried a number of times on that rooftop. I remember at one point that night, I, I made the wise choice to make the argument that Mad Max Fury Road was like a feminist manifesto, <laughs> and that just didn't go over well. Yeah, anyone. you got destroyed. I was like, chose the wrong night to espouse that theory. It's so funny. Oh, gosh, that's so funny. Dude, that, that was a legendary night, and really a legendary week. Oh, good times! Yeah, yeah, it was we, a lot. A lot more happened that week. Yeah, we we still have more stories to tell. There, we got more stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's just like I guess the funniest moments are just like these organic like riffs that mm-hmm. are funny like on paper, but also just something about the moment. And we got like a, my band had like a retreat a few months ago, and we like got a house in Maine. Cool. And a few of us were just like riffing about uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like playing this game where we combine movie titles. So mm-hmm. you take two movies and sync them up so that the title is seamless. So I thought of one and, um, it was cheaper by the 12 years a slave. Oh, so oh instead of gosh. cheaper by the dozen, it was <laughs> cheaper by the 12 years a slave. That's funny. That's um, funny. Another one was hostel Rwanda instead of hotel Rwanda. <laughs> Um, but then we started like going on this Airbud rent. So there's like a few different Airbud. Oh, I love Airbud. Yeah, like, yeah. Airbud. Golden uh, Retriever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Golden Receiver or whatever. Yeah, Golden. Yeah, Golden Receiver. Yeah. And we just kept going until we got to like Airbud 20, and and by that point it was just <laughs> Airbud 21 colon the audience is so stupid. <laughs> Airbud Air 25 colon it's just Airbud 7 again <laughs> and like. <laughs> I was like just I in Airbud 21 Jump Street. <laughs> yeah, just like, I just, like, I'm sure the, I hope, I'm sure our listeners probably don't think that's that funny, but just like things like it's that not. and Breaking Brad are just the things I do remember. And when I need mm-hmm. to laugh for some reason, I think of those, those things. <laughs> well, the other day, this was, this was like, yeah, like that, that kind of comedy. My friend Josh, we were, um, we were playing golf and I was explaining to him that I started swimming I was like, dude, I started swimming because like we had talked about, you know, like gym stuff or like, oh, like, what do you, you know, we're always like yeah. talking about like, oh, what are you doing, you know, to exercise or stay healthy, kind of like checking in on each other. He's a pastor as well. And so um, 
but I was like, oh, I've, I've started swimming and like, I've been swimming this pool and like, I'm, it's great because like, I'm a, I'm a big dude. My doc, I've had nine breaks. I've broken nine bones. My doctor was like, you need to start, you yeah. need to look at swimming. Like that's something you could do for the low rest impact. of your life. Yeah. Low impact. Like it's, it's going to be great. Um, I was like, my knee was kind of bothering me from like an old injury. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it. Love it. Been really enjoying it. Not good at it at all. And I, but I also like mentioned earlier, like in the day that like, and it was more of an excuse because I just was not playing. I was not playing good golf, but my wrist was hurting. It yeah. actually was like my wrist has been kind of, and I was like, oh man, my wrist. And I would say after, if there was a bad shot, I'd be like, oh, my wrist, you know, whatever. And so when I mentioned like the swimming comment, I'm like, oh yeah, it's so much better on your body. And he's like, oh yeah, totally. My wrist. <laughs> doing this like wrist bit. That was like the yeah. dumbest thing, but it like, I just, yeah, it just kept making me laugh throughout just... the rest of the day. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess my, kind of key takeaway is any moment could potentially be just like the funniest moment of your life. I never would have expected the chair to break or breaking <laughs> Brad curing Crancer or Airbud 25. The audience is so stupid. Like, <laughs> and maybe it's not the same for everyone. Maybe the funniest moment is like the moment you saw something or, or and that's totally mm-hmm. cool too. I just, I guess I, I ultimately love that. Like, you and the the people and the company you keep can just like own any moment and just like mm. um kind of escape from anything and and just i guess that's the beautiful thing about laughter is that i mean sure there's a time for you know for being somber and whatever but mm-hmm. for the most part like laughter is the ultimate power over this world which can so often be you know hostile and adverse for sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you, to, you laugh to keep from crying or, you know, like, I think that there's definitely, um, yeah, to laugh in the face of despair, I think is, I, I, I don't know, man, like things are just, and maybe we are just overcomplicating it. Like things are so serious now, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like every, every space is, uh, I mean, it's just, we're, we're sensitive. We're just we're like sensitive. Like you watch episodes of the office now and you're like, yep, that wouldn't fly right now in 2019. Like you couldn't do an episode, like episode two of the office is diversity day. And it's yeah. like, you can't, I mean like, and for good reason, like some of the stuff you shouldn't be doing. But yeah. We've, we should like caveat by saying, you know, thank God we've changed, you know, some things are off limits now. Like I think that's for sure, good. For sure. If it marginalized people in the past, then it should, you know, we should, adapt and, and accommodate a hundred percent. But what are you really saying, Colin? Because I feel like <laughs> I'm the moral backbone of the pod. The, I think what I'm saying is, um, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. I, I, I just like life is serious enough. And that's a good point. If I can't go through life, like having fun and, um, like, and, and this is like, I'm a pastor. Like the, you talk about death. You talk, I mean, like there's some really heavy parts of like the job and there's, there's gotta be like the funny, a lot of the funniest people I know are also pastors because, and, and the humor can get pretty dark sometimes. And it's because you push up, you rub up against that darkness. And I think we all do in different ways. Like, you know, no matter what your situation is. And I think like laughter and, and being able to laugh at yourself in the midst of stuff, like not only, not only can keep you like humble and grounded, but is also, it's just a better way to live. Like, yeah. it's just more, it's just more fun. And like going back to that, you know, my Angelou quote of like, I don't trust anyone who can't laugh. It's like, if, if you're not a person that that's gonna 
make fun of, of something, you know, like comment on something weird or funny that happened in the room. It's like, I just, I don't know if I can trust you, you know, I can tell you how many times I've been in rooms with people I don't know. And someone I don't know, like makes a comment, you know, about something that's happening. That's a little bit off or a little bit weird. And it's like, it's almost like, okay, this person, like this person gets it. Like they, yeah, and, I, and I get them and they get me. And it's like, that's how a lot of my, my friendships have formed. It's just like someone makes like, you know, kind of an, an offhanded joke. That's like, you don't want the whole group to hear, but <laughs> you know, it, it speaks truth to kind of the situation that's happening. Um, and like, you know, I don't know. I, th- I just think there's something incredibly, um, I, I guess the way I'm saying it's just like, that's it's not a universal truth it's just how i connect with people for Um, sure comedy is a foreign language and there's a million different dialects and when someone is speaking and you can understand them comedically it's like mm -hmm. the ultimate signal that you have a brother or sister yeah that you're under we're from the same tribe yeah exactly exactly and i think um yeah yeah, yeah. And what's, I think Flannery O'Connor says like something along along the lines that like flattery is at its core like they get me like yeah like quote they get me and I and I yeah I think that there's definitely a um, Flattery O'Connor okay that's not great a good joke <laughs> is hard to find a good joke is that's good not that's bad. good yeah but yeah I don't know man laughter it's it's it is uh, it is life for me yeah it's and. Like, and- it really is like I cannot imagine a, a life without it, and we life is hard enough. Like you said, it's it's a lot harder for a lot more people. Um, sure. You know, I think on on a, we know sadness, we know pain, uh, we know suffering. A lot, many more people know it worse than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand like there's an element of privilege here. At the same time, I do think like the ability to make fun of things and laugh in the like as simba would say in the face of danger is does simba say that who says that in the lion king is that is that a quote laugh in the face of danger danger. oh that's a great Uh, quote i don't remember that i like i need the uh, audience to correct us if we're wrong on that but i'm not trying um, to call you i'm trying to say i like the quote i think it is yeah but it's like i think his point is like laughter is an armor in a sense and Mm -hmm. and no one can stop you from putting it on regardless of who you are and your circumstances and it may not obviate pain and suffering and it may not change circumstances but to the extent that you can like reconstruct things internally like doesn't that count for something so Mm. um and like dude we've had laughs where it's like you're chemically it's like you're drunk it's it's like this euphoria this this it's like you just worked out for an hour and you you feel (laughs) as if you do um yeah isn't it doesn't laughter scientifically relieve stress a hundred percent has to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, there's, there's been nights hanging out with you or with friends where it's like, you really do feel like you're, you're, you wake up the next morning, your throat hurts from laughing and your stomach hurts and your abs hurt. You know, it's like, you you almost feel like hung over from laughter. Your from eyes just, are red. Your, <laughs> your eyes are red. Throat's there's, blood, horse. there's blood on your blood, hands. There's a message everywhere. in the mirror. It's just the plot of the hangover. There's a tiger in the bathroom. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, it's just um, uh, laughter's life. Yeah, I mean, one thing I would I want to like say that def- definitely continues from season one, even mm-hmm. though we're we may not be doing micro stories for season two. Audience, let us know what's the hardest time you laugh. What do you find funny? Um, 
content yeah. recommendations, anything, please engage us. We we definitely want that to continue and even yeah. you know, we want more of that. Yeah, and if there's good stuff, we'll read it. We'll we'll let the world know if it needs to be if it needs to be let known. And if it's bad, we'll read it because the world needs to make fun of you. I also feel like we didn't get a ton of stuff from people last season, and that's okay. Well, like, okay, that's I didn't know <laughs> if we were like being honest or we're gonna be fully. Yeah, I mean, like we got some <laughs> stuff, but a lot of it was like we're tracking down micro stories, and it's like if yeah, if people don't want to tell them, then we're not gonna. We don't need to create something that doesn't that people don't want. You know, so if, if y'all you, want to share something, let us know. And if you don't want to, don't share it. Then honestly, like leave or whatever. <laughs> like go listen to cereal or what i don't care Cereal is good season two was rough but the season, season two was wag season <laughs> it was like true detective season two it's like oh true detective season two is brutal oh i don't care just kill him yeah should we wrap it up yeah um friends go make someone laugh i yeah Bardites. please go laugh go make someone laugh see carpe the moment go tell uh, stories and uh, this was an experiment episode for us in a lot of ways. So, so bear, bear bear with us. Season two might just be an experiment gone wrong. We don't we don't know. Serial season two, True Detective season two, Bar to Death season two. <laughs> the beaker. We're like in a lab. The beaker catches fire, turns us into Two Face. <laughs> it's just a scar for the rest of the show. Some sort no. of green liquid boiling over. We had fun. We hope you had fun too. We got more. Um, stories and unnecessary pontificating coming your way next time next week and you know what they say that's curtains that's that's curtains (laughs) later smell you later 9 p.m with street lights it's never too late to readjust your seat sit back on coming headlights Your power cords don't mix with insincerity You're my luchador in Spain so call me if you need me